Two guys talking about their babies and supporting their ladies. Talking about the struggle. Talking about Big Papa. Yeah. Hello once again. It's Big Papa's The Podcast for Modern Dads. I'm Dan Worry-Smith, really excited about our episode today because on the line I have Mary Rella. Mary is the Director of Community and Counseling Services for Skylark, a leading Toronto-based charity dedicated to children, young people, and their families struggling with complex mental health and development needs. Mary, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me, Dan. Uh, you know, real obviously, any anyone who's listening to the show knows that uh, that we're based in Toronto. And I was really excited when I found out about this this new program that uh, you just launched a few weeks ago, uh, the Me and My Baby Drop In Program. Uh, this is uh, a resource that new parents can use uh, to to bounce things off of. It addresses uh, mental health and stress and how their relationship between uh, parents and also the relationship to their children is developing. And it feels like a really essential program that you're running. So thanks for taking the time to chat with me and uh, really excited to hear all about this program. Uh, Your background is as a registered psychotherapist. And I I just kind of wondered, you know, what was your career trajectory and your history of of working with families in the capacity that you do with Skylark? Um, Well, I've been working with uh, children, youth, uh, families, um, grown-ups, adults, and uh, in the last, I would say, 10 or almost 12 years, uh, dedicated my work also to include the mental health needs of infants. Um, and I've been doing this work for about 30 years, so that's my relationship with uh, this field. Um, and uh, the, the idea of understanding what is it that infants need in order to help them uh, develop mental health sometimes comes at a kind of like raised eyebrow, like, what do you mean infant mental health? Um, and part of what we mean by that, because of what uh, we're learning from science and we're learning from research, is that if we're able to help caregivers um, understand better what they need uh, in order to support what their um, infants need, that helps caregivers promote a secure relationship with their infants, and that is a wonderful beginning life story for that infant. That's so so interesting, and the kind of thing I've been wondering recently. You know, my, my daughter is two and a half, and I have a newborn baby boy. And uh, you know, my wife and I will kind of assess, you know, how things are going. If there was a day where maybe our daughter was super upset about something, or or we were stressed out, and maybe we weren't as patient as we wanted to be when we reflect on it, and we're always kind of wondering, you know, how how does the experiences of a really young child manifest and kind of shape their state of mind, you know, as they go forward. And I feel like it's mysterious to a lot of parents. Um, so this sounds like, you know, something that must be really impactful. And I think along with, you know, kind of the revolution that we're seeing of, uh, you know, the public being more open to addressing mental health among any age group, um, it has to be just as important, maybe even more so to address 
the mental health of infants and and young children. Um, I know that this program has been uh, you know in the making. You've been talking about it for a few years. Can you tell me a bit about how the my, me and my baby drop in came about and what got you to this point where you're now actually to launch it, uh, able to launch it? Sure. Um, we uh, we were able to. Um, you know, well, first of all, we've learned so, so much from just being able to open the doors to um, a, a walk-in mental health uh, a clinic for our young people and families. And they're so significant. Um, uh, it's so significant to have people just be able to come in and uh, operate from a place of it doesn't matter what I'm needing, it doesn't really matter what, you know, whether it's serious or not serious, I haven't been referred by anybody, I'm just walking in the door and I'm getting my mental health needs met. And what that has primarily taught us in, in our work is that, boy, there are a lot of, you know, families and young people who are out there who are struggling with all kinds of issues and giving them the opportunity, giving them a door to walk into and just talk about what is on their mind is helpful. So I wanted to be able to take that lesson and bring it into, uh, you know, what is it that might be helpful for Parents who have just had uh, a baby or parents who are have already had other babies, but this experience with this baby is a bit different than the one that they had previously. You know, what is on their mind and do they want to come in and speak to someone about uh, any or all of the things that uh, are... all the things that they're thinking about. So I've been thinking about this for a very long time, and uh, then I was able to, um, I was talking with uh, someone, and uh, uh, and she listened to uh, what I was saying and said, tell me more. And I said, well, like, you know, sometimes um, parents who are struggling with uh, postpartum uh, depression or postnatal, uh, you know, mood, uh, issues, those things get in the way of promoting security. And it resonated with this particular donor, and they were able to then say, come back to me and say, hey, I'm going to give you some a donation to, to begin this program in your agency. Um, and with that uh, donation, we started this uh, one-year pilot, which we just opened the doors to uh, February 2nd was our first, uh, like, you know, opening. Uh, but it's been about three years in the making. Wow. Well, congrats for getting it off the ground. So exciting. Um, I wonder, are there comparable or similar types of programs in other communities or maybe even in Toronto that you were able to use as any kind of a model? Or is this something that you kind of dreamed up on your own and and have have created from scratch? Boy, that's a tough question. There have been so many influences, and there are so many amazing programs that are, um, you know, in our uh, in our GTA and, and, and across the country. Um, and you know, a program exactly like this one, I'm not entirely 
Sure. One of the things that we did uh, think about or um, as I was sort of putting this together is that I'm not sure if you know, but we have a Youth Wellness Hub Ontario model, which is started as a sort of what's, what's recognized as a, an integrated care model or even a stepped care model. And basically what, you know, the, the very short version of that is that, you know, a young person comes in, we offer some screeners and based on their screeners, it helps us to understand, you know, what level of intervention they might need. So I'm, um, you know, using that kind of a model uh, in in our particular uh, program as well. So uh, a, a parent or a caregiver can come in. We uh, work with some uh, screeners to look at their stress level as a parent. We look at their, um, you know, some, uh, you know, a depression uh, screen and, and also an anxiety screen, and we sort of help them understand better what is going on for them and validating for them what might be some of the experiences that they may be having uh, as a parent or a caregiver. Um, one of our uh, one of our walk-ins so far has been a grandmother uh, who is looking after her uh, two-and-a-half-year-old grandchild. So certainly it's not just for a parent, it's also for any caregiver. Um, and with those screeners, we then use utilize um, one of our team members is a nurse practitioner who then is able to sit with the caregiver uh, perhaps at a different time if they want to go over what those screening results mean and to maybe make some recommendations for next steps. Amazing. Uh, you know, I, I ask about other programs and other communities uh, just to kind of open us up a little bit. You know, our listeners aren't all in Toronto. So uh, I just wanted to know, you know, also generally uh, to come back to the topic of postpartum depression, you know, if it's not just uh, for people in Toronto who are going to be able to access your program, you know, in a general way, what can you tell our audience, people who might be expecting kids or whose kids are really young about postpartum depression, what to expect, what to look for, and, you know, maybe how to combat it, uh, because I know it is a huge challenge for a, a, a actually surprisingly large percentage of, of new moms and even dads. Exactly, and you know we have uh, we have some amazing researchers in our city and across um, the country. In our city, we have Cindy Lee Dennis, who works out of um, University of Toronto, and she does lots of research on uh, postnatal um, you know mood um, issues and postnatal um, depression. And what we know is that it exists. Not only in, in moms, but it also exists uh, with dads, and it also exists um, uh, in, in in couples, if you like, and it also exists um, with you know parents who are adopting, um, and even sometimes foster caregivers. So you know, part of the you know like the 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 the, the intricacies, the complexities that come with you know having uh, a child and and or having a child that you need to care for um, impacts in a variety of different ways and it shows up in a variety of different ways. It could show up as withdrawal. It could show up as intrusive thoughts. Um, it could show up as I'm not good enough uh, or my baby doesn't love me. It could show up as irritation and um, even aggression sometimes uh, uh, you know uh, 
or um, just uh, not being able to be connected in a way that one ought to, you know, think about. I mean, we have lots of ideas about, you know, what this baby brings, you know, into, uh, you know, it's a lovely event. It is filled with all kinds of uh, wonderful examples and wonderful experiences. And yet sometimes, you know, that's not how some people feel. Uh, Sometimes it's really hard uh, to make that adjustment uh, into parenthood. I know, for example, for fathers, um, you know, one of the, some research that we have tells us that, you know, fathers think about what they, what kind of a father they want to be uh, with their infant. And that transition into fatherhood um, is really impactful and meaningful in a variety of different ways, different than what it might be for mothers. Mm. How how long do you think of as the period of susceptibility to this kind of mental health stuff, the postpartum depression, the baby blues, whatever you want to call it? Like, what is the period of time after after the birth that you're really making sure that people uh, should be checking in and being aware of it? Yeah, so baby blues and uh, a diagnosed depression are two different things. Um, and one of the, you know, it, they could show up um, at any time. They could show up immediately, you know, immediately. It could show up uh, a little bit later. It could show up even, you know, uh, you know, quite, quite later. Um, but one of the research that we have is that sometimes we have trouble talking about it. Because if you're a caregiver and you're not feeling the way you ought to be feeling um, uh, about the, the relationship, um, you can go in and talk to your primary health care provider. And sometimes the primary health care provider, you know, just basically says, well, you know, you're kind of the baby blues and, you know, this is normal. And they try to normalize the experience, but not all experiences are the same. And so one of the pieces of research that we know is that moms and dads actually want to be asked, you know, are you experiencing, like, let's do a screen together to figure out whether, in fact, it's just baby blues and just an adjustment or whether it's something a bit more that needs a bit more attention and needs a bit more of an intervention. Right. Um, I, I, so my my daughter who's now as i mentioned uh two and a half years old she um the way that it worked with her is that her time was split uh, a lot between my wife and i uh because as a result of being in the nicu for a few days when she was first born she never took to breastfeeding so because she bottle fed and my wife pumped we ended up getting to split our time uh you know maybe not exactly evenly but fairly evenly whereas our son who's now a month old he's breastfeeding fine and we've noticed that he is like a real mama's boy and he oftentimes just wants to be with her whether he's feeding or not that seems to be kind of where he's most comfortable and I, I you know that that feels like maybe a more common way because I don't know what the exact numbers are but but a baby who breastfeeds um, you know is more common so I'm wondering are there specific things that fathers can can take in their approach to make their role most effective in curbing stress or addressing these potential mental health pitfalls you know as the family unit is kind of dealing with this this early period of coalescing 
Yeah, you know, there's two things that you um, that you bring up there that I think are really significant um, for fathers. So the first thing that we know is that you know when there is a birth um, and the infant, for you know some reason, has a more uh, you know a beginning that includes a traumatic situation of some sort, like for example, um, low you know low birth weight or early to come, and there's a um, you know a, 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 a C-section involved. Sometimes fathers who are in the delivery room will experience a trauma because, in fact, they're the first ones that get to see sometimes that infant in its most vulnerable state. And that experience um, could be really helpful to talk about with someone around the fragility and that first impression of that baby that is so vulnerable and then their experience even in the NICU becomes somewhat um, I mean NICUs have come a long long way in including dads the same way that they include moms but but not across the board so that might be one of the things that dads may want to come and talk about either with their partner or on their own uh, just in terms of you know what that first impression was like for them and how that might have impacted them um, with respect to the, you know, who does the baby go to, um, I have to tell you this is the most exciting topic for me because babies' brains are so exquisite. <laughs> they are so unbelievably exquisite that they make connections of who's with them, what's going on with them, who's going to protect them, you know, who makes the, the wrongs to rights in their world. All of those things are happening so rapidly. Babies are born relationship ready. And what I mean by that is that they are vulnerable and need the relationship to help them to survive. And so what babies do is that they immediately begin to make a hierarchy. Who is my most go-to person and where and how do I access them uh, when I need them? So if mama is the one that is the go-to person that responds to a baby's cry most frequently, then that is going to be the top of the hierarchy. If it's if dad becomes the second person in that hierarchy, then dad becomes the second person. But let's say, you know, dad is there and let's say, you know, neighbor is there, baby will choose dad wow. over neighbor yeah. or even sometimes over a grandparent who may not be there as often. Dad sometimes miss those cues because number one they don't know that and it's really just about you know it's not about love it isn't about any of those things it's really just who is on the top of my hierarchy and who comes next and then who comes next and at some point that gets leveled out like I'm wondering if you're you know, two-and-a-half-year-old, uh, your daughter, is now kind of leveling it out a bit, or is she still gravitating to a hierarchy that is kind of noticeable at some times or in some cases of distress versus other cases or other times in distress? Yeah, we've actually noticed recently that she'll ask for whichever one of us isn't there. <laughs> so, and I, I do think things were, you know... Uh, 
as close to equal maybe as they could be in that early going because you know as a result of my wife doing a lot of pumping I would take on a lot of the feeding because that was really a lot on her plate yeah. and you know physically demanding and also just kind of stressful and and hard on sleep and stuff like that yeah, for um, sure. I, I'm for very sure. thankful for the fact that my daughter and I are super close and I've already been thinking you know my son is not that old but the fact that he seems to really favor his mom I've been thinking like oh, I, I gotta make sure to spend as much time with him as possible yeah. um, and you know even if that you know this information you're providing so much amazing stuff here um, you know even if I didn't know it the way that you're kind of describing it it is intuitive right like you can tell hey uh, as soon as uh, you know the baby gets handed off to me because my wife is going to the bathroom or whatever the case may be like I can tell that he's not quite as comfortable because he's so accustomed to being with her and he de- you know he feeds a lot and you know obviously they're just spending a lot of time kind of sleeping together Together and just being, you know, right in the same space. So, yeah. but that stuff yeah. is, it's all really, really interesting to hear. And, um, yeah, I, I, I've been, sorry, go ahead. The, the, you know, the, the thing that, you know, sometimes becomes more, um, available to observe is that, you know, the infant and the mother, you know, um, have a, can, can look like they have a very symbiotic relationship. And what we mean by that is, like, they almost operate as one, you know? <laughs> like, the baby's there, what the baby needs, the mom, you know, is able to respond to. And one of the things that I talk to dads about a lot is that, you know, babies have, you know, basically infants, like small, like little in the first four or five, six months, you know, they, they sort of react much more to distress. So when the infant is in distress and they're in a you know needing proximity from a caregiver, that's when their hierarchy is going to kick in. They're going to want to seek proximity if they can with the one that's on the top of their hierarchy, right? But once the infant is not in distress, then that you know, more awake time or exploration time between the caregiver and the baby can be, you know, playful and can be equally important, you know. So when, you know, your infant is in distress and wants his mom, that's what, you know, he's going to want. And if she's away for a period of time and he's in your arms, you need to know one really important thing, and that is that even though the baby is either continues to cry or looks like it's still in distress because it's not necessarily what feels like the right arms. I want you to know and every dad out there to know that just you holding that baby provides the amount of buffering that tells that baby you are not alone. There is an emotional home with me too. And that eliminates stressors, like the stress hormone, from flooding their little tiny brain. It helps them know that you are there and that you will help them and provide for them that emotional containment, that emotional home that says, whatever is wrong, I'm going to make right. It's going to be okay. And that prevents cortisol levels, stress hormones, from being activated. So that baby might look like it's not necessarily asking for you, but believe me, you are helping it know that you are important and you are important. 
This this is incredible stuff. Um, it's so great to hear. And I, there's so many things running through my mind right now. And uh, but you know, one of the things that we've been noticing lately with our toddler um, is you know, uh, obviously she's uh, in the terrible twos or you know whatever. I don't know how long that's actually supposed to last. I'm sure it's not actually like 365 days from their second birthday to their third birthday. Um, but she's you know on days when she's particularly moody, which in some in some ways we just kind of chalk up to. Hey, that's the age she's at. When when my wife and I kind of debrief on it after after uh, Goldie goes to bed and uh, kind of okay, well, well, what happened today? We've actually been noticing that it's almost always how we approach things, how much stress we're bringing to the situation. And we've actually had these conversations recently where we're like, we feel terrible when we when we realize like, oh. This really came from, you know, uh, Goldie made a bit of a mess with her dinner. And rather than just like let it slide and be like, oh, we'll clean this up later. We kind of told her like, hey, you're making a mess. Could you be careful type of thing? And that she's then internalizing that. And that's what she's going to hold on to about what she remembers about dinner, you know, last night when it comes to tomorrow or next time we eat the same food or whatever. And feeling we've been feeling really guilty about the fact that like, oh, we're not just letting that slide. And maybe we're imprinting this this uh, this memory on her that's you know there's no point to it because we could just say oh well, you know the mess is whatever it'll take us two minutes to clean up later on so i think it's you know as much as it can be easy in a way to get into your routine of just being like hey life is what it is and if it's a stressful day for one of us then that's going to spill over into you know the rest of our evenings or the experience that we're all having collectively uh, but just to be able to take a step back and remind yourself like hey even if I'm a little stressed it doesn't mean that that needs to be injected into the rest of what's going on and if we can find a way to remember that where we're coming from is parents is really going to be the primary contributor to the mood uh, of of our kids and to whatever they experience and then maybe what they take away from it long term to try to remember like hey it's within our power to not get too stressed or to not have it be like our kid is thinking oh I, I always make a mess at dinner because dad was worried about it or you know whatever the case may be so I think there's so much stuff here that is really worth being able to keep in mind if you're a parent, even if you feel like you've, oh, we've kind of got this thing, we're in a groove or whatever, um, that there are always ways to to ease whatever the, the negative mind state might be that you're putting your kid in. And that it's, it's you know, the terrible twos uh, maybe aren't as much of a thing if the parents are focusing on what they bring to the table. Yeah, and you know, this, you know, there, there's so much in, in sort of your experiences, and the, you know, again, the one thing that's so important is that um, parenting is not an adjective; <laughs> it's not good or bad. <laughs> you know, parenting is a verb. There's, it, it's about many, many, many interactions. That's only one interaction that you would have had with Goldie that day. There would have been fifty thousand other interactions that weren't like that. They were more attuned. The other thing that's really important is that, you know, what, you know, terrible twos, I, I'm so, uh, because I, you know, like I've already said it, so I have, I have a huge bias, those little babies, you know, mental health, by the way, uh, considers the first thousand days uh, for, for young kids to be uh, infants. So, wow. um, you know, in the medical profession, I think it's the first 12 months, but the first thousand days is actually three years. So 
you know, the, the, the development of that meant that brain and all of the beautiful things that go into that brain for the first three years is wonderful. In that is included accepting limits warmly, you know, from caregivers. So what she's doing right now is she's developing something called, you know, agency and autonomy. You want her to be able to say, hey, look, I'm exploring, and in my exploration, I've sometimes created a mess. That's something that you want her, you know, I'm sure both you and your wife want her to develop. But with that comes also some limits, like you can't throw everything on the ground, and, you know, we can't, you know, um, cleaning up after yourself, cleaning up a little bit is important as well. So whatever limits that you put on her are also important because one of the things that she continues to know is that even though daddy and mommy are setting limits with me that I may not like, by the way, I don't like being told no, Yeah. right? <laughs> but I know that when they tell me no, I also know that they have me in their mind. And they must be telling me this for some really good reason. So even though I look like I don't like it, and most times I do not, I have also developed a trust in them that something is important about this. So those kids that have that kind of security, they are able to accept the limits that come, even though none of them look like they're accepting the limits. So that's really important too. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear about that thousand days because that, that means we still have a little bit of time to maybe uh, erase some of these uh, these instances where we weren't patient enough or, you know, the times where we felt we felt guilty and like we, we should have done a better job. I suppose it, it shouldn't come as a surprise that I feel like this is a, a therapy session that I'm in. So thank you for, you know, addressing the, the things that, that I've been saying. I don't want to keep you for, for too much longer. Uh, just a couple more things. Uh, you know, you, you have decades of history kind of working with families and I, I wanted to know if maybe there are particular uh, story or two or or maybe just something a little more general that, that might be recurring an experience that you've seen as far as a positive result uh, that you have been able to or have been a part of bringing to a family that really needed it. Yeah, um, you know, I'll, I'll give you some. I'll give you a more general sort of understanding around something that we've all heard a lot about, which is like I've already addressed it a little bit. Is this idea of, you know, stress and what it means and what it looks like, you know, and you know, for young kids, one of the things that we are helping them to learn right from the get-go is this idea of helping them to um, co-recover with them, you know, co-regulate is the word, but I like to use the word recover, their intense um, feelings, you know, and feelings of um, that can look like, you know, um, negative, you know, not bad negative, but they're that are negatively charged, like stress behaviors, that, you know, stress behaviors um, happen all the time. And stress behaviors for young children need connection before they need correction, before they need to so stop doing that. Or, you know, they the first thing young children need is just knowing, like I said, that someone is there to go, it's going to be okay. Whatever's happening now, it's going to be okay. So one of the things that we're encouraging you know, parents to really also appreciate is that stress is not all bad. There's also positive stress. There's also a period of stress 
in there, like with your, you know, two and a half year old, when she's not getting her way, and you're helping her understand that it's just not, it's just not reasonable for her to get her way. You're actually helping her tolerate and you're also helping her understand better that hey not only can I feel frustrated but I can actually feel better from being frustrated so one of the things that we're helping caregivers to know about and to learn more about is that not all stress is bad and you don't have to worry about distracting all stress let some of the stress happen in a way that involves you so that you can then help your child or your young child learn how to tolerate it. Like, I'm sure that your infant son, how old is your infant son already? A month. A month. So you probably are going to beginning, you're probably beginning to notice that he, even in his very early days, is beginning to utilize some strategies of self-soothing. Even if they last a couple of seconds, that's the beginning of him managing some of those stressful events. Wow. So just one more for you uh, before I let you go, uh, because we're a podcast for dads. I wanted to know if there are, you know, a particular behavior or a couple of behaviors that you see from fathers that you feel are exemplary and really worth modeling. If someone's kind of wondering, hey, what's advice from from an expert? Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things that, you know, I I can really say is so significant to the infant and the young child is just being able to put yourself in their mind. So rather than, you know, try to correct behavior that's, you know, you think ought to be happening based on your mind, (laughs) um, you know, to really see it as what is important and what does my what does my young child or infant need from me? And being that attunement, looking at, you know, uh, looking into their, you know, eyes and being able to uh, communicate that I have you, no matter whatever else is going on here, I'm here to protect you. And that protection includes me maybe giving you some information that you may not like, like you can't touch that hot burner. Uh, and it may also be giving you information that says, yeah, the ice cream fell on the ground and we're going to get you another one if we can. And if we can't, then at least you're going to be here with me and we're going to make it better somehow. So some of that exemplary behavior is just being able to just to be able to know, sit back and know that whatever is going on, it's going to be okay because my job is here to be protective of you. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Mary, I, without question, this is one of the, my favorite interviews that we've done for the show. Oh, um, thanks, Dan. That's so nice of you to say. Well, thank you for taking the time. And, uh, you know, I'll include in the show notes for our listeners uh, links to some of your resources. So, you know, whether it's uh, parents in Toronto or, or even elsewhere, just to kind of access some of that information that you've put together. Uh, I think it's incredibly valuable. And uh, thank you for the work that you're doing. And, and thanks for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you so much. Yeah.